Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, Colossians chapter 2, if you have your Bible. Colossians chapter 2. I'm starting a new sermon series that I'm going to do in November called Thanks a Lot. And uh, we're going to look at some things over the next few weeks. And let me encourage you... um, that uh, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, we're, I know it's a holiday weekend for most people, but we're going to do something a little different. Both campuses, Rossville and here at Rock Spring. And so it's just not, it's not, it's not a service you're going to want to miss. You, you, it's not going to work if you hear about it. And I know some of you are traveling that weekend and you're with family and all that. Trust me, you'll be tired of them by Saturday. Come on home, right? Just come on back. It'll all be good, or bring them with you on Sunday. It'll be a fantastic worship experience on uh, that Sunday, so you don't want to miss that. So I want to do this series over the next few weeks entitled, Thanks a Lot. Now, I want to be honest with you, there's nothing theologically impressive about what I'm going to preach over the next few weeks, but there, there, there's something practically important about what I'm going to preach uh, today and over the next few weeks. And I don't want you to miss it, because... Uh, you know, the truth is in life, rarely, rarely do, do things go the way we expect them to go. But, but what happens is uh, there, there are some of us, some people that are just naturally able to cope with things when they don't go right, and some just need to learn. And one of the things we need to learn, all of us, is how to cultivate appreciation, how to cultivate uh, an attitude of gratitude in our lives, because uh, for most people, that is not natural. As a matter of fact, the norm is a lack of gratitude in our lives. That's the norm. That, that's the average. But here's what psychology is now telling us right now. Psychology is telling us that cultivating a sense of gratitude fortifies us, get that, fortifies us in times of adversity, turmoil, and leads to greater happiness and resilience in our lives. Now, listen to that statement. It fortifies us in in difficult times, in turmoil, adversity, and it leads to a greater sense of happiness and resilience, something we all need. As a matter of fact, here's what they say. Of all the attitudes that we as humans can develop, the one that is the strongest marker for positive mental health is gratitude. The strongest marker for positive mental health is gratitude. So I want to preach today on this subject, the million dollar word. The million dollar word. Now let me show you what science is telling us. Now I want you to read this. Just look up here at the screen with me. I want you to read this with me. Here's what science is telling us. That expressing gratitude improves mental, physical, physical, and relational well-being. People who are thankful are better off physically. People who are thankful are better off relationally. People who are thankful are better off mentally. Being grateful also impacts the overall experience of happiness. And get this, the effects tend to be long-lasting. And that's what 
psychology is telling us. The Bible's been telling us that for, uh, since it was written. But, but now science is catching up with the fact that if you want a long, happy life, if you want uh, to be physically well and relationally well and mentally well, the key attitude in all of that, the overarching attitude, is the attitude of gratitude. Hey, can I tell you something? We're looking for something in appeal that an attitude provides. We're looking for something with professional help that an attitude provides. I'm not trying to get you to stop anything you're doing. I'm not knocking anything you're doing. I'm just telling you what's, what's lacking in America, what's lacking in the American church is this sense of gratitude because this sense of gratitude will fix so much that's wrong. It's, it fixes so much. It sets your mind on what it ought to be set on. It sets your life on what it ought to be set on. It sets your relationships on what it ought to be set on. So today, let me talk about this million dollar word. You said, where do you get that million dollar word? Well, a, a, a British poet named Rudyard Kipling was, uh, was famous in his day. And as a matter of fact, Kipling made his money while he was alive. That was unusual for artists. Most artists don't really make their money oftentimes until they're already dead. And so Kipling had made a lot of money for writing in his life. And one time he was at being interviewed by some newspaper reporters. And they said to him, they said, hey, people have figured out, uh, based on the amount of money you've made in your lifetime and the amount of material you've written, that it equals to about $100 a word. So the reporter cynically pulls out his wallet and he pulls out a hundred dollar bill and he says to Kipling, he said, hands a hundred dollar bill to Kipling and he said, why don't you give us a hundred dollar word? Kipling took the hundred dollars, he folded it up, he put it in his shirt pocket and he said, thanks. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to tell you thanks is definitely a hundred dollar word, but I'd say thanks is a million dollar word. It's a word that's too seldom heard, too rarely spoken, and too often forgotten. Thank you is, thanks is a word that ought to be expressed to God, and it ought to be expressed to other people as well. So let me preach today on that. Stand with me as we read God's word, and I want us to read in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 7. And I actually put it up on the screen in the New Living Translation because of the way it translates this last phrase. Notice this with me. Let your roots grow down into Jesus. Let your lives be built on Jesus. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Now here's what he's talking about. He's talking about a a rooted Christian, a discipled Christian, a growing Christian, somebody that is strong in the truth, somebody that is strong in Jesus. And Paul stops and tells us something about that person. The growing Christian, the strong Christian, the deeply rooted Christian in Jesus. And look at what he says. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. Overflow with thanksgiving. Here's what Paul's saying. That the Christian who is growing in their faith, that the Christian who is rooted in their faith, that the marker of that kind of Christian is one that is Not saying thanks every now and then. Not one that occasionally utters the word thank you. It is a believer that is overflowing with thanksgiving. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's talk about the million dollar word. The Bible says we are to give thanks in all things. We find that throughout the scripture. 
Literally, Paul tells us, Colossians 2, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving. Not just saying thank you every now and then, but that it ought to be a permanent part of our lives. And listen, I, I want to tell you this morning, you, you can do tons of research on this, even online, but I'm telling you that even the world knows that, that thanksgiving is a marker of somebody who's right with God and, and not being grateful is. No, notice this. This was a Roman poet years ago, Decimus Magnus Asonius. Here's what he said. Nothing more detestable does the earth produce than an ungrateful man. Nothing more detestable does the earth produce than an ungrateful man. Even the world knows that a lack of gratefulness is wrong. Even the world knows that a lack of thankfulness is wrong. And so for God to say it over and over again in the Bible, for the Psalms to be full of Psalms of thanksgiving, for the New Testament to tell us over and over again, our lives are to overflow with thanksgiving. Our hearts are to overflow with giving thanks that we are even to be thankful in all things. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let me tell you today. You might want to jot a few notes down, but nothing groundbreaking. Here we go. Number one, you've got to realize what you have received. You've got to realize what you have received. Now, I know this is a little too simplistic, but it is not as simple as you think it is. Here's what I mean by that. You cannot be thankful for what you have not acknowledged that you have received. If you have not acknowledged your reception of something, it is going to be impossible for you to be thankful for it. And I'm afraid what happens is in life, we don't ever stop to acknowledge all that has been given to us. We don't stop to acknowledge all that we have received. Every time you look in the Bible, you see the word thanks. There's always a gift associated with it. For example, here's 2 Corinthians 9.15. Uh, Paul said, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Now, he's talking about, uh, it really means indescribable gift. He, he's talking about the gift of salvation. Paul said uh, the salvation is such a great gift. It's such an enormous gift. Paul said there are no words to even describe it. So all I can do is say thank you to God for that indescribable gift. And listen to me carefully. In order for you to realize, uh, in order for you to be thankful to God and others, you've got to realize, number one, what has been given to you. John 3.16, listen, if you're a child of God today, you know John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if you are a child of God, you can stop right there and say, thank you, Lord. But listen, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, you're not going to stop and thank God for saving you when you've never been saved. Why? Because it's a gift you've not received yet. I want to say to you, what happens in our lives is we tend to not look at all that God has given us. We tend to not look at all that we have received. We tend to only want more. And when that happens, we fail to get up every day of our lives and just to stop and thank God. And if you don't stop every now and then and count your blessings, you'll never develop into the Christian. It's overflowing with thanksgiving. Hey, when we were young, we went to a church. My wife and I went to a church. It was the early 90s. We only had Savannah, our oldest daughter at the time, and, and we were in one of those churches that we thought it was huge. It, it ran about 250 on Sunday. Everybody in that church could have fit right here. You know what I'm saying? But we felt like it was huge, and, and it was one of those churches where there were a bunch of young couples our age or right around our age, and all of us young couples, we all had kids about the same age, and we fell into the dreaded birthday trap. You know what that is, don't you? 
You invited them all to one birthday party, and then you were invited to 27 birthday parties the next year, right? If you'd been smart, it'd have been cheaper just to give your kid $100 and say, shh. Don't tell anybody it's your birthday. We're not inviting anybody over. But we threw a big birthday party for Savannah. We threw it at the church. That's how we all did it back then. We in the church fellowship hall, this little room. There's 20, 30 people there, kids everywhere, adults. And the men would talk and women would uh, do stuff and we'd eat. And we had this big birthday party and we all wrapped it up. And uh, I stayed late and we were cleaning up. And Savannah had gotten two big piles of gifts and some from family, some from friends. And so uh, we had taken all the gifts and we'd, we'd shoved them into two big garbage bags and we set the garbage bags over in the corner. Then we had to clean up and we took all the garbage and we cleaned up, put it in garbage bags and we had a big burning bin out back of the church. And so we went out there and we do what men do. We throw the garbage in the burning bin and we started a fire. And we took the gifts and went home. We go home and Sherry, as she always does, and, and, and she's writing thank you cards for all the birthday gifts for Savannah. And she's sitting there writing out the cards, and she gets through one bag, and she says, uh, now, Joel, uh, um, my mom bought a lot of clothes for Savannah. Where is that bag? Where's the second bag? And in my mind, I knew exactly where the second bag was. My mind immediately went to that second bag, and I remembered as clear as day, tossing it into that burning bin out behind the church. My mind went there. Then my mind went to my funeral. <laughs> then my mind wondered about who would sing at my funeral. Then my mind became concerned about my tombstone. And then I thought about life insurance, and my mind quickly pictured Sherry laying on the beach with tens of thousands of dollars with another man for me. You know what I mean? Like, it was all happening. It was downhill in a hurry for me. I said, honey, I, I think I've, I, I, and we lived 35 minutes from the church at the time, but hey, a church alive is worth to drive. Amen. And so we lived 35 minutes from the church. And so we, we jumped in the car. We headed back to the church, jumped in the truck, headed back to the church. We got all the way down the church. We went to that burning bin. I want you to know in the back of that burning bin was a bag of toys and clothes for our daughter, Savannah. And I want you to know in God's providence, the fire had burned right up to that bag. But when it got to that bag, an angel of God mostly put it out while it was there. And it just singed the bag a little bit and just a few things got ruined. And I'm happy to report to you that Savannah wore all of that clothing for the next year, though, though she did smell like Smokey the Bear while she had them on, but it was all there. Praise God, it was all there. You say that was a tragedy that you almost lost all that. Can I tell you this? In my wife's mind, the tragedy would, would have been losing the gifts, but the tragedy would have been she wouldn't have known who to write up thank you card to because you can't acknowledge what you don't know you've received you see we've all got to step back in our lives and we've got to look and we've got to realize that look there has been a friend who's come along and encouraged us and we've got to realize that is a gift from God we've got to realize that there has been a there has been a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or there has been a a friend or a family member who's come along and encouraged us and that is a gift from the Lord. We Listen, we got to remember that there has been a teacher somewhere along the way or somebody, a mentor that has spoken into our lives, that has spoken wisdom into 
through our lives. Well, listen, you've got to get to the point in your life, if you're a teenager, that you are thankful for every bit of the discipline your parents gave you. Listen, I got to the point in my life where I was thankful for every whipping I got. I didn't get spankings. I got whippings when I was a little boy. I'm thankful for everyone because I know what I got by with. There's got to come a time in your life where you're thankful for every material gift that has ever been given you. Listen, we are only, every one of us are only here today because of the gifts I have received from others along the way. And you are only here today from the gifts you have received from those around you. And listen to me carefully. We have got to stop as believers and we have got to quit being Christians that get up every day and talk to God. And here's what we say, more, 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 more. We've yet to bow our heads and to say thank you for what he's already given to us. If you want to be a Christian that overflows with thanksgiving, you've got to realize all that you have received. And can I say to you that if, if you'll stop for just a moment you look around in your life, you'll notice that even when you're in a difficult time, you have received far more than you think you have received. We used to sing the old song, Denny. Remember that song, church? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Somewhere along the way, we quit doing that. Somewhere along the way, we, we, we just kept shoveling, letting God shovel blessings into our lives, and we just kept, we're, we're like spoiled two-year-olds. We just want more. We're never going to be the Christian. We're never going to overflow with thanksgiving until we stop and realize all that has been given to us. When you stop and realize all that has been given to you, then here's what you're going to realize, that God has given you so much. About an old farmer, he was talking to his wife one day. They'd been married for decades and decades. And they were sitting on the porch rocking, and an old farmer got thinking about how good his wife was. And little tears started trickling down his eye. And she looked at him and said, Husband, what is wrong with you? He said, I'm just sitting over here thinking about how good you've been to me all these years, how you've stood by my side. He said, You've been such a wonderful woman. There are times I can hardly keep from telling you. It'll sink in in just a minute. Hey, our job is not to hard to keep from telling them. Our job, our job is to overflow with thanksgiving. If you're ever going to be that as a Christian, number one, you've got to realize all you've got. Number two, you've got to recognize where it came from. Here's the second thing you need to do. You've got to realize every blessing you've ever received. But number two, you've got to recognize where it came from. Let me show you where it came from. We looked at this verse not long ago, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Look what it said. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It's from your heavenly Father. Can I say to you this morning that if you're ever going to be a person that overflows with thanksgiving, you have to realize that every blessing you have in life comes from one place. You know where that is? 
the Lord. He is the source of every blessing you receive. That every time you get a blessing, now listen, I'm not even talking about who it comes from. See, we're going to talk about it in just a moment. God uses conduits of his blessing to send other blessings into your life. He sends gifts into your life. And you'll use other people and other things oftentimes to do it. But the source of everything good in your life, the source is always God. You say, well, well, preacher, somebody brought that by to me or somebody encouraged me. I get it. I know it. That they were the conduit of the blessing. But the source of the blessing is always God. And nothing good in your life comes anywhere but from God And oftentimes he'll use other people to be the conduit of that blessing, but the source of it all is God. And if you're ever going to overflow with thanksgiving, you've got to realize that every good thing you have, God is the source of it all. You you could be a first-time guest today. You've probably never heard me say this, or maybe you haven't been coming for long, but... uh, um, my wife and I met uh, when I was a bag boy at, at ShopRite Grocery Store in uh, Chatsworth, Georgia. We affectionately call it the Love Shack today. That's how we name it. It's now closed down, and it's not that we took some pictures before we did, but, but uh, uh, that's where I met her. Her mom uh, came and interviewed me in the, in the frozen food section of ShopRite on a Friday night. I was singing Christmas carols. I was a happy bag boy, and I'd I'd be singing Christmas carols, and, and she just liked me. What's, what's not to like? You know what I'm saying? I mean, she liked me. Hey, as a matter of fact, my mother-in-law called my wife this week, and, and she called her just to talk about, she said, I was just thinking about how good Joel is. I'm like, hey, put her on speakerphone. Let me hear that. <laughs> and, uh, and then her mom said, well, if I hadn't interviewed him that night at Friday night in ShopRite, y'all might not be married today. It's just true. We've been married 30 years this year, this past July. And so, but I met her at the Love Shack, ShopRite, Chatsworth, Georgia. And we weren't allowed to see each other all the time. We were allowed one date a week. Like literally, if she got in the car with me, it was a date. I messed up and drove her to baptism one time, and her daddy counted it as a date. <laughs> I didn't do that again, I promise you. Hey, you, you ride with your daddy. I'm not wasting a date on a baptism. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll meet you at the creek. I'll, I'll meet you at the creek. I am not wasting a date on a, on a baptism. And so we didn't do that anymore. But um, uh, we didn't have all the means of communication y'all have today. Matter of fact, I think, little teenagers, I think it hurts your generation. You over-communicate with one another. So you have no mystique or mysteriousness about your relationship. If you want to improve your marriage relationship, uh, look, let there be some mystique about the two of you. And so uh, nowadays they communicate too much. There's no mystique. And so there's nothing special. But we, we had all special then because only two ways to communicate. One was a phone with a giant cord attached to it, attached to the wall. And the other was something called, uh, Google it, pencil and paper. You had a pen, you had to write with it on. The paper's made out of wood. Would you believe that? And you had to write on it. I know it's complex. I know. I, know, I don't know how it works either, but that's why we used to do it back in the day. And so I, I'd be a little nervous with Sherry we first met, and I'd write her a, I'd write her a love note on paper. And I'd tell her how much I liked her and how pretty she was, and, and uh, I'd spray a little green polo on it, you know, and it's smelling good. That's, that's what I'm wearing today still. It worked, man. I spray a little green polo on that. I put a little something in there. You know what I'm saying? I'd write poetry. I, I, I was a poet. 
I'd write poetry, stuff, stuff you could publish. Roses are red, violets are blue, flowers don't stink, neither do you. I mean, it was good stuff, good stuff, high quality material. I'd write in that love letter. We first started dating, I'd be too nervous to give it to her and I'd want her to read it before she got to me anyway. So I'd fold that up, seal it. I'd give it to a guy named Bert who worked at ShopRite with me. And I'd say, Bert, Sherry's about aisle five. Go run her this love note that I've written for her. Uh, and so by the time she gets over this side, she'll be in love with me even more when she gets over here. She'll smell that polo and... I've put on 24 squirts, so when she gets over here, she's going to know it was me, you know, when I get here. And uh, uh, Bert would go out there and buy I-5, Bert would give her the note. Now, listen carefully. I didn't want her to fall in love with Bert. <laughs> Bert was just the conduit of the blessing. I was the blessing. You know what I'm saying? I was the blessing. I didn't want her to fall in love with Bert. Listen, back in the day, if I didn't hand deliver a note, I might drop her one in the mailbox and put a stamp on it and then mail to her house. I didn't want her falling in love with the mailman when he got home to her house. The mailman is just a conduit. I was the source of the blessing in her life, right? Say amen, Sherry. <laughs> she said it. Amen. She said it. She didn't hear it. Um, but I was the source. And listen, I want to say to you that you may have blessings in your life. You have got people who encourage you. You have got things that have blessed you. But listen to me carefully. Those are the conduits of the blessing. The source of all of your blessing, James tells us, is from the Lord. That means you may have been encouraged by somebody. You ought to thank them, but thank the Lord. Look, you may have got a check in the mail. Somebody may give you a $20 bill. All oh, that's awesome, but thank the Lord. When Elijah needed fed when he was starving by the brook Cherith, ravens brought him food. Elijah didn't worship the ravens. He worshiped the God because he knew he was the source. When the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness for 40 years and they were drinking water out of a rock that traveled with them, by the way, they didn't worship the rock. They worshiped God who was the source of the water. Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John raised a, a, a lame man and made him whole again, look, they said, don't worship us. We're just the conduit of the blessing. Worship God. He is the source of all the blessing. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Every good gift, regardless of the channel it came from, it comes from the Lord. That means I need to recognize when I am receiving something, I am receiving it from the Lord. God is the giver of all that is good. My kids were little, they'd buy mama Christmas present and I'd give them the money to buy it and I would drive them to the store to buy it. But on Christmas day, they gave it to their mama, but I was the source and I didn't need recognition. Well, maybe I did need recognition for that. That's a bad illustration. Anyway, point three. No, no, I didn't. They, they were the, I was the source, but they... They were the channel. Listen, church, I'm afraid we're, 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 we're guilty of talking to God and asking for more and demanding more blessings and more from God. And yet we've yet to stop and say thank you to the source of all of our blessings. We just hold out our hands and we say more. More, God, more. Give me more. 
Let me show you the third thing. You want to overflow with thanksgiving, number three, you've got to remember who gave it to you. Now, here's what I'm talking about. God is the source of all of our blessings, but there are others that become the channel of blessings that God pours those blessings through. It is no more right to ignore the giver of the gift, the source of the gift, God, than it is to ignore the channel of the blessing. That's other people. Let me show you what Paul did. Paul says this, Ephesians 1, 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul said, I'm praying, thanking God, but I'm thanking you too. He, he, he says it again, 2 Thessalonians 2, but we are bound to give thanks always for you. Then Paul said again, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. Here's what Paul would say. Paul said, I'm praying, I'm thanking God for all he's given me. But while I'm praying, I'm thanking God because God has given it through you. And I ought not to have any ingratitude towards God, or, or, but I ought not to have any ingratitude towards anybody else who has been the channel that God has worked through to bring me a blessing. And listen, whenever I am ungrateful to the channel, I'm ungrateful to God as well. Do you get that? When I'm ungrateful to the channel of the blessing, it comes off as ungratefulness to God as well. When I was a little boy, I remember my dad did something one time. He got it. We didn't have much growing up. Dad most of the time worked two jobs when I was growing up, along with mom. And, and so uh, we didn't have much, but one, one year, Dad got a bonus at, at Christmas or around the holiday time, and, and, and Dad said, hey, son, get in trunk and come town with me. And I knew it was bonus money we, we needed at the time. We went down to a little grocery store, and, and Dad said, get a buggy, and he got a buggy. And Dad and I walked through the grocery store, and we began to fill the buggy up with food, buggies up with food. Matter of fact, we bought enough groceries that day for not just one week, not just two, but for multiple, multiple weeks. And I said, Dad, who, who are we buying all this for? And he said, uh, son, God's laid on my heart to buy groceries for a family in need. Man, I, as my dad died when he was 46, but that's one of the proudest moments that I've been in my dad's life because I knew, that, I knew that dad, we really need that money, but God spoke to dad and dad was gonna go out and bless somebody else. And so we loaded up, went through the cash register, spent most of that money uh, from his bonus. We, we drove it to somebody's house and when we got there, I knew kind of who it was and dad said, sit in the truck. They don't know we're coming, but he's got kids. I'll send the kids out to unload the groceries if all goes well. Dad went in the house and, what long before the kids came out and unloaded the groceries? Dad stayed there maybe a few more minutes. We were there probably 20, 30 minutes the whole time. And Dad got in the truck, didn't say anything, but I saw there was a look on his face. It wasn't a good look on his face. And uh, we went home, and Dad didn't say anything to me, but when we got home, uh, I heard Mom and Dad talking, and, and, and I heard Mom say, how'd it go? And Dad said, well, it's it the strangest things. It's all fine, but strangest things. He said, as we were unloading groceries, get this, into an empty cupboard. We don't know what that's like nowadays, hardly. You got pinto beans that expired three years ago. You don't even know about it in your cupboard, right? But, but empty cupboard, not a can, not a can in the cupboard. Dad said, as, told mom, he said, as we were unloading, uh, uh, you know, food into the, an empty refrigerator, nothing in the refrigerator, no milk, no anything, nothing. There wasn't a box here in the house. He said the dad in the house was saying things like this. Well, these aren't the brands we buy. We like to buy nicer stuff than this. We like to get better, you know, we get better meat than this, or we, we don't buy unnamed, you know, unbrand, unnamed uh, milk or whatever. We just, and Dad said the whole time he's 
They didn't know where their next meal was from. Huh? I don't know where their next. They have a dollar of their name. As we're unloading the groceries into empty house, they're critical of what I bought and never said thank you. Now, my, my dad wasn't bitter, just shocked. Can you imagine the disappointment that my, my dad had from taking money that his family could have used, but God speaking to his heart and, and, and giving it to somebody else? Can you imagine how disappointed dad was, but can you imagine God? Dad, dad wasn't the source of the blessing. He was the conduit of it. I want to say that's exactly why you've got to have a heart full of thanksgiving. Because we as Christians ought to be known as gracious people. Listen, when somebody blesses you in any kind of way in your life, you are a debtor. You owe a debt of gratitude to them. You owe a debt of gratitude to God. Let's close your Bibles. Let me ask you a question. Does your life overflow with thanksgiving. Does your life overflow with thanksgiving? You ought to respond to every act of kindness that comes into your life. How can we let blessings come into our lives and not tell people and not tell God? Thank you. Thank you. You say, preacher, if we all just start saying thank you for everything, we're all just going to be telling everybody thank you all the time. Right. That's exactly the way it should be. Just go ahead and tell somebody thank you for saying thank you. Right? It's so unrare. It's so rare these days. But can I tell you something? We are blessed. We're blessed. Can I get amen right there? We're blessed. If you woke up this morning, you're blessed. And I, I know what some of you think. Or some of you are thinking. So, some of you are thinking. Well, wait, 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 preacher. Slow, slow your roll a little bit. You don't know all the heartache I have in my life. You don't know all the trouble I have in my life. You don't know all the storms I'm in in life. You don't know all the turmoil that I have in my life. You don't know all the problems I have in my life. I listen. I don't. I don't pretend to. You don't know what's in my life, by the way. And I don't know all the trouble in your life. But I know this, even in the midst of all of that storm and trouble in your life, if I will get my focus where it ought to be, in the midst of all of that, I can pick out blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Hey, look this way. The reason we're not happy, the reason we have no spiritual fortitude, is because all we can see is the problems. And science now tells us, if you'll see through the problems to the blessings that are in your life, your relationships will be better, your mental health will be better, your emotional health will be better, and it will last longer. What? By simply having a life that overflows with thanksgiving. It goes back to the song. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See, see, look around your life. Look around in your life. 
see what God has done. You owe, you owe thanksgiving to the source, and you owe thanksgiving to the channel. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the greatest gift that's ever been given is His Son to die on the cross for your sins and your salvation. You can't be thankful for what you've not received, but you ought to receive it today. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner, can't save yourself, can't earn your way to heaven, can't earn your way in God's favor. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. None of us are going to earn heaven. That's why B, you have to believe that Christ died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And then C, you've got to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that today. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.